Before we get into today's episode of the podcast, I want to tell you about a product I've been using frequently and a product that is used by professional running team Tin Man Elite and teams in the NFL, NBA, and NCAA. The product is called 2 Before and it is made from the incredible benefits of black currants. If you guys are unfamiliar with black currants, they're antioxidant berries that are grown in New Zealand. The two biggest benefits, in my opinion, from consuming them regularly and using this product 2 Before is it increases your endurance as well well as kickstarts your recovery. So during sessions, I feel stronger, my endurance feels improved, but also after the workout, I feel more recovered, less sore, less tired, so that I can hit the next training session harder than I normally would be able to. I absolutely love to before I love this product. Perhaps my favorite study uh, that I've seen shows that using two before consistently can improve athletic performance by 4.6%, which is truly remarkable. And it's made from three simple ingredients, so there's no junk in it. You guys can get 30% off your order today at two before, that is the number two before.com, using my code the running effect 30. Again, that is the running effect 30. Not only does this get you 30% off, but it also gets you free shipping. I've left a link in the show notes to go directly to their website, or you guys can go to twobefore.com. Again, that is the running effect 30 to get 30% off and free shipping today. Jen, welcome to the running effect podcast. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. So before we got kicked off, we were talking a little bit about the seasons and you were telling me how like in the New Zealand area, which is where you live currently, it's slowly starting to turn into winter. So I'm curious, what's your favorite season of the year? So I would actually say winter because I love the snow sports. Before I before I ended up in New Zealand, I was living in Salt Lake City, Utah. Um, and if you've ever been there before, the skiing winter sport, um, winter sports are just huge there. So it's definitely something I did weekly um, and just always trying to get outside. So I'd say winter and fall is a close second. Something I was thinking about there as you were talking about, you know, winter being your favorite season is I'm in summer right now. So like we're in completely different seasons, but as a, a registered dietitian, what are your thoughts on how nutrition changes depending on the time of year and the season? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I, when it comes to supplements, I immediately think of vitamin D. Um, as most of us know, we synthesize a lot of our vitamin D from the sun. And the, in the winter months, we tend to be indoors more. Um, and even when we're outside, we're all covered up, we're all bundled up. And depending on what part of the world you're in, sometimes the sun doesn't rise high enough to, for your body to even synthesize vitamin D. Um, so that's a big one that I usually like to address come winter months. Um, and then in terms of just food in general, I think most people are going to go more towards your warm, um, warm dishes in the, in the winter times versus summer. You're more inclined to eat like salads and cold foods. So I think just finding what you enjoy in each season, I wouldn't necessarily say like eat one thing or the other, but find something that you enjoy. Temperature is probably going to influence that. Um, and then when possible, eat seasonally because um, that those produce will have higher nutrient values than when they're out of season. Um, and say you love your berries, but it's wintertime, opt for the frozen option because those are flash frozen right at harvest. So their nutritional value is still pretty high. I would actually love to hear more about that because that's a subject I've been curious about and like I feel like I don't know enough about. Can you speak on the difference between like frozen and fresh and when someone should choose fresh versus frozen and like the differences as you were kind of like, I don't know, hinting at there? 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, really it's, it's seasonal, um, and also budget wise as well. Um, so if fresh berries are really expensive in the winter time because they're out of season, that would be a great time to opt for the frozen option because they're going to be less expensive, um, and their nutrient value will be higher. Now, in terms of vegetables, um, same, same thoughts there. But I also like to say, like, have a bag of frozen vegetables just in your freezer because they're going to last longer than the fresh ones. I think we've all had like that uh, bell pepper or broccoli just that just like didn't make the cut into our meal prep repertoire. So now it's going bad and now we throw it away. Um, so having your frozen veggies there um, so that you always have some sort of veg on hand. What's the difference nutritionally between something that's fresh versus frozen frozen? And is there like a big difference there? Like, is there disparity there? Like, can you explain the, the differences? Yeah, there isn't really a big difference in terms of nutrition, nutritional value. Um, it really just comes down to the season. Um, so say if broccoli is out of season, wherever you are, the frozen, the frozen option will likely have a higher nutritional value. Not saying the fresh one's going to be like absolutely nothing that you're getting nothing out of it if you're eating it out of season. Um, but I think sometimes frozen vegetables and even other like form, like canned vegetables can also get a bad rap um, just because they're not in or because they're in some sort of packaging. But um, it could really be a really convenient option and a more budget-friendly option as well. So they shouldn't be things to exclude just because they're in a bag or a can. Something I'm thinking there as you're speaking is like, how does she know all this information? And then I'm like, oh, she's a registered dietitian. Just because it's like, even myself, I've like dove deep into the science and the research. And there are always, always things I'm like, I don't know the answer that to. And, and you're explaining a lot of uh, a science to me today. So I'm curious, can you explain the difference between a registered dietitian, which you are, which is years of, of practice and study to get that kind of uh, certification versus something like a nutritionist, which is not a legally binding term. So Dominic Schleter could consider himself a nutritionist and not get in trouble for it. Yeah, that's exactly it. Like anyone can call themselves a nutritionist. It's not a regulated um, title. So if you decided you wanted to become a running nutritionist right after this podcast, <laughs> just call yourself one and you probably won't get in trouble as long as you're not going too crazy on the recommendations. Um, so that's, that's pretty much a nutritionist. Anyone can call themselves one if they feel inclined to. In terms of becoming a registered dietitian, um, it's, you're required to do a four-year program uh, from that's accredited and usually in human nutrition or a related field and you do the prerequisites and it's slowly moving to require two years master's degree as well um, in nutrition and dietetics and then once you have your degrees done you'll do a 1200 hour internship across community food service and clinical settings and then after that you will take a board exam pretty much um, and then that's, you know, you'll get the RD credentials. And then after that, we have to get 75 continuing ed credits over a five-year cycle. So constantly learning um, and constantly looking into what new research says and whatnot. So it's not like we just take that exam and then all the learning just stops there. So it's always, always things to learn. 
as you kind of stated there and shared there, becoming a registered dietitian is a very lengthy and like just a very long process. And because of that, I feel like it's only going to attract individuals who are genuinely passionate about the subject of nutrition and helping others through nutrition. So at what point in your own personal life did you realize that, hey, this is something I'm really passionate about and something I'm willing to go through literally years of of studying and studying for tests and going through all these exams uh, to to get this dream dream job? Yeah, so I started off my college degree in kinesiology, thinking I wanted to become an athletic trainer. I grew up playing sports, always been around sports. So I knew the hospital setting wasn't for me. And I was just like, okay, what job can I have that'll keep me away from the clinical setting and keep me around sports? Um, So kind of dove into athletic training for a little bit. And then I think around my biomechanics class, I was like, absolutely not. This stuff just doesn't make sense to me. So I was thinking, all right, what's next? What else is out there? Um, Looked into physical therapy and did a little summer internship. And that I also just didn't quite click with. So when I was volunteering with my college's athletic training program, one of their athletic trainers was or had volunteered or worked with USA Volleyball, um, and they were based like 15 minutes from where I was going to school. So she basically sent me their dietitian's contact info, and I just emailed her and was like, "Hey, like I'm a college student in with this in this program, and I'm just curious about sports nutrition. Like, are you taking on any student interns?" Um, and I'm like. 20 years old thinking like emailing this Olympic dietitian, like she's not going to respond to me. Like, (laughs) why would she? Um, But I think like a week later she replied and was just like, yeah, why don't you come in and like, let's chat. Um, So kind of just went from there. Really. I knew absolutely nothing. And she just took me under her wing and I was like, this feels so much better than athletic training, than physical therapy. Um, So just kind of, stuck with that. And that was really the start of my nutrition um, experiences and exposure. Something I hear quite a bit, unfortunately, is that like nutrition doesn't matter whether it's in life or more particularly within sports. Like, you know, if you're working hard enough, it doesn't matter what you eat. Um, And of course, I do think there should be a level of flexibility and a level of, you know, days where it's like, yeah, oh yeah, you can totally eat ice cream or pizza or whatever you want. But I always laugh at the individuals who are like, nutrition doesn't matter at all. Um, and I'm like, tell that to me when you have like some disease 50 years from now. So can you explain to me why nutrition matters, but more specifically within a sports sense of why it matters of how your fueling will affect how you play? Yeah, it's, it's really thinking about food as your fuel. So our bodies use calories for energy. And the harder we work it, the more energy we're going to need. And as we're burning our energy, we're going to have to replace our energy. Otherwise, we're kind of just going to crash. So I like to use a couple different analogies. One with our phones. Usually at nighttime, say we'll recharge our phones so that the next day it's at 100%. And then as the day goes on, the battery drops. And when it gets to say like, what, 20%, that's when we put on low pat- low battery mode. And we're just trying to use our phone less. We're trying to like ration all the energy. Um, it's not working as great. And 
I like to think of our athletes as the same way. Like you rest, you have your body at hundred percent to start the day. If you don't recharge your body with food, you're just going to keep going down um, and eventually end up in whatever your low battery mode looks like. And it's really the consistency of eating and the timing um, that matters. And it's not just like going throughout the whole day without eating and then eating at the very end of the day. Timing definitely matters. A very broad question for you, but what does proper nutrition look like specifically for an athlete, whether it's in running, basketball, whatever it might be? It's going to sound very broad because <laughs> because it's it'll vary significantly between sports, but eating a balance of all three macronutrients, your carbohydrates, your proteins, and your fats, and then getting your micronutrients through your fruits and veggies, um, nuts and seeds, and really having that balance of what people would say is healthy and what people would say is unhealthy. Um, Cause at the end of the day, we're all humans and we're going to need a dessert at some point. Right. So creating that balance of fueling your body when it needs to be fueled. And then also enjoying the foods um, that you may have outside of training or outside of competition as well. What do you think is the biggest pitfall that athletes fall into in terms of sports nutrition? Not eating breakfast is one of them. We're training on an empty stomach, especially if it's a high intensity training. Um, I know there's a lot of early morning training sessions in the collegiate level and the professional level. And it's hard because you wake up at 4 or 5 a.m. and you're like, eating is the last thing I want to do. But if you want to have energy, if you want to be able to make it through the two hours, two hours of training, you have to find a way, find something that works with your stomach and works with you. For those that don't know, I learned this about you in a meeting, I believe, uh, that you worked for the Utah Jazz for a little bit, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I would love to yeah. hear about, you know, you've been around, you know, one of the best NBA basketball teams, but you've also done incredible things in other areas of sports nutrition being around these individuals in these high-performing circles, what are some of the biggest attributes you see in these individuals around their nutrition and performance? I would say their habits. Their habits. A lot of the veteran guys have been doing the same thing um, for years. And it's really our job is just to help support them and help help keep those habits enforced. And then with the younger guys, it's educate, providing the education and helping them build those habits to take through their career, take to other teams, wherever they may end up. Um, so they really have a routine down. They've trialed and errored with different supplements, with different timings, um, with different foods to see how they feel around their training competition. And then they just go with that and keep, keep using the same formula. How does nutrition vary depending on the individual like as that's why I asked like a very broad question but I feel like with you know depending on the individual nutrition completely changes uh so could you maybe speak to that individualistic level and why that's important for our listeners today to kind of take away as annoying as it can be that there's not a black and white uh guide to nutrition it's important I feel like to realize that specifically in the age of social media where people are trying to throw you in in one group and it's like well everyone's different so it's kind of hard to mm -hmm. you know accept that i'll speak more in the athlete sense in uh, the sports setting you'll have athletes who are trying to gain weight who are trying to lose weight who are trying to maintain weight and those three different scenarios right there call for different nutritional approaches 
And then you have to tie in the allergies as well and any intolerances that they have. So if they have celiac disease, if they're lactose intolerant, um, say if they are diabetic, all these different conditions that would warrant a different approach than kind of that general advice that's provided. And then another thing is just prefer food preferences and cultures and accommodating what people are comfortable eating and not trying to stretch them too much with um, unfamiliar cuisines or foods. So um, it's really what works for someone isn't necessarily going to work for the person next to them. So you have to find that approach um, for each person that uh, works for them and supports their training. What are some specific foods you think that boost performance, uh, whether it's like, I don't know, generic ones or more like interesting ones like black currants, which I know we'll get into? Yeah, um, I'll, I'll start by saying carbohydrates. That's Carbs are our body's main source of energy and our brain's main source of energy. So we often think about carbs like will give you the energy to work out and whatnot, but also think of the mental side of it and the mental concentration. Um, we've all kind of been there where we haven't eaten for a while and then you kind of start to feel a little lightheaded and can't focus and then you eat something and then you feel better. Um, so carbohydrates are definitely a part of that foundation. Jen, I'm gonna I'm gonna that are gonna help. Pause you here and say I hear all the time that carbs are bad. Carbs are bad. Like I feel like we see that in the 21st century all the time. Like whether it's a new book that's coming out or you know some random nutritionist, uh, not registered dietitian, who's like you know carbs are bad. Could you explain? I mean, you kind of did there, like why they're good for you, but could you maybe? Uh, explain to our listeners why that's a complete myth that's not true at all yeah so like i said carbohydrates are our main our body's main source of energy so if we're limiting our carbohydrate intake it's likely that you may feel that afternoon slump low energy levels throughout the day poor concentration um, poor mental clarity things like that um, so you definitely want to include carbohydrates because not only for all the energy aspects I'm talking about, but they also provide a lot of micronutrients. So our breads, our grains, that's, you're going to get all B vitamins out of there. Um, yeah, I think I might just keep it to that just because it's like you can go down that rabbit hole. But <laughs> On these topics and in the world today where so many people have different nutritional views, maybe for a listener listening right now who's you know a sophomore in high school and they're going to start to implement some of these things. And maybe they thought carbs were bad before, but now they're like, oh, you know, Jen, that totally makes sense. I want to start incorporating more carbs into my diet. So then they go to the grocery store and they buy bread and they start eating more bread. But then that one family member that still believes carbs are bad then gets judgmental and, and starts making them feel bad for eating a certain way. What would you say to our listeners from a purely practical standpoint of the outside world and the outside noise of like, you could be eating a really solid diet for yourself, but I feel like there are always people who are going to tell you to eat a different way or detract mm -hmm. from what you're doing. Like what would be maybe some advice to those people who kind of get that, you know, annoying, I don't know, rudeness sometimes from others about how they're eating. I mean, going back to nutrition is so individual and that could also include your relationship with your nutrition and food is individual um, you can't please everyone. You're not going to be able to make your recommendations work for everyone. Um, so remembering that we're all on our own nutrition 
plan our own nutrition habits. So um, control what you can control, which is yourself and um, let other people gather their own education and information and make decisions for themselves. Before I interrupted you about carbs, because I did want to get that that notice, because I get asked that all the time. And I'm like, I'm not a registered dietitian, but I do know well enough that carbs are very, very good for you. <laughs> if you look into the science, you should definitely be eating them. Um, are there any other foods that you think help boost performance? I'm just thinking another macronutrient um, really quickly, but your protein intake. Um, and when we talk about timing, having your protein after your training alongside your carbohydrates to help repair your muscle and um, replenish your energy stores. So if you want to be able to train harder, run faster, and have your muscles more fresh um, for the next training session, making sure you're getting protein in after training, um, ideally within an hour. Something I'd love to talk about is a company you work for and a company I work with, which is Two Before, and it's based on kind of the science behind the incredible black current. Um, and black currents have been shown to increase energy, they improve endurance, they speed up recovery, they strengthen immunity. It sounds like I'm talking about like a superfood, but they kind of are a superfood. <laughs> um, so could you maybe talk about the benefits of black currents and maybe start out with that and then talk about how Two Before has made a product that you know, is all about black currents and how it, you know, helps athletes really truly go after their, their biggest potential. Yeah. So black currents have been shown to improve vasodilation. So essentially increase the blood flow to your muscles so that nutrients can get to them quicker so that they can work harder. So increased vasodilation improves your immunity by basically acting as a primer. So without getting too sciencey, black currents put a little bit of stress on your body so that your immune system kicks up. Um, And essentially, when we think of antioxidants, we think of kind of scavenging or taking away the inflammatory molecules. The black current mechanism is a little different where it kind of strengthens your um, immune system as it is um, versus taking away the inflammatory molecules. If that makes sense. I'm trying not to get too sciencey with it. Vasodilation, strengthening your immune system, and then with the inflammation management, helping with tissue repair, so muscle recovery. So it's a really unique product where we say take it before you exercise so that you get the endurance benefits during and then also the recovery benefits afterwards. Um, And it's really neat because the product started from a research facility in Auckland, New Zealand called Plant and Food um, Institute. And they were just researching the native berries in New Zealand, just seeing what came up, um, if they found anything. And black currants just kept coming up as having these benefits um, for sport performance. And the team was just like, we have to get this to the people. So from there, two before was born and they've done research studies on it uh, to show these these improve or to show these benefits. Um, and yeah, we've really just been working to raise awareness um, and education around the black currants because I think the main barrier we have in the US is that there's no black current or there are no black currants in the grocery stores. Um, Like we don't know what they look like. Does it sound like a berry? It's just kind of this word black currant doesn't sound super enticing either, you know? So um, just raising that education and awareness that it is a berry, it's native to New Zealand um, and some other European countries, um, and it has all these wonderful benefits. 
So yeah. So from someone who was working for one of the top NBA teams in the country, why did you decide to move to New Zealand and, and work for this company too before? And were you skeptical at all at first when you're hearing some of the, the science behind it and how effective it is? Like, this can't be true. This is too good to be true. Yeah. I mean, the move to New Zealand, it really, I'm going to rewind a little bit um, to give some context. But basically when I was going through school to become a dietitian, I always knew I wanted to be in sports thought I wanted to do professional sports as like my dream job, so to say. And when I got there, like had a wonderful experience, learned a lot, met amazing humans, but it just wasn't fulfilling me how I thought it would. So I kind of had this moment of like, well, my, but I told myself all these years that would be my dream job. Doesn't really feel like a dream job right now to me. So what do I do next? (laughs) Um, And I've always wanted to live abroad somewhere and just kind of experience a new culture. And it's between New Zealand or Canada, pretty much for the mountains um, and the outdoor scene. And New Zealand's, uh, the visa that I'm on was a lot simpler and easier to get than going to Canada. So I got, I just, <laughs> I'm trying to, I'm like thinking of the story and it's, <laughs> it was just funny because I, applied early thinking like, oh, it'll take six months to process this. Like it'll take a while. Literally three days later, they emailed me like, here's your visa. And I was like, oh, (laughs) that wasn't supposed to work. (laughs) Now what do I do? (laughs) So, so pretty much after, after the NBA season ended, I stuck around for the summer and kind of helped out the off season. And then October time I moved over. Um, to New Zealand. And at that time, I like I didn't move for two before at all. Um, I had emailed or I had uh, texted Charlotte, who I met at CPSDA um, in May and was just like, hey, any opportunities for part-time job? Um, like I'm, I'm moving over to New Zealand. And she said yes. And we just kind of have been doing casual work up until April of 2023 and then that's when I came on full-time but it was really kind of just like taking that risk and taking that leap to explore a new path of nutrition um I never thought I'd be working with a supplement company I'll be completely honest but it's been a really really cool experience and a lot of things I didn't realize that went into producing a product because I've always been on the consumer end um and in terms of skeptics before working with them and like the research, there's, there's always going to be skeptics with any supplement, truthfully. And I just was really drawn to the product and the people who are behind the product. It's a small team of four of us, um, two at the time when I met them. And I just felt connected like right when I met them and it just felt right. Is it just me or is it way easier to trust a supplement when it's an actual legitimate ingredient or like food? Like it's like black currants, you can Google them, you can see the benefits of them. And this is literally just black currant powder. Like I, I correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's like three ingredients. Um, whereas yeah. there are other supplements out there where it's like, don't know how to pronounce that ingredient, don't know how to pronounce that ingredient. And it's not like whatever the, the label is that shows it's like um, third party tested. So you won't like basically there's a chance that you could test positive on like a drug test or whatnot, which is the last thing an athlete wants. Um, so I think it's 
a lot easier to trust when it's a legitimate ingredient that's been shown to improve performance rather than ones that claim things that probably aren't third-party tested and have ingredients that I've never heard of before. Yeah, no, exactly. That's one of the reasons that I was drawn to them was the simplicity of their product. It's literally just black currant powder and then a little sweetener and then another ingredient to just help with solubility to mix in water. And I felt like they had the research to back their product and they had the third-party testing. So from a dietitian's perspective, I was like, yes, they're tested. Yes, it's been researched. And just looking at the ingredients label, it's simply just black currant juice, basically. Um, so that's, I was really drawn to that aspect. Something I'm sure our listeners are curious about right now is like black currants. Okay, I heard the benefits. I've maybe heard that it improves, you know, athletic performance by 4.6%. But black currants, that sounds horrible. Like they, they probably taste bad. Like, is it really worth it? And uh, I personally think it tastes good. So Jen, what's your opinion on the taste of it? Because, you know, at the end of the day, I feel like humans, even if something is shown to help them, if it tastes horrible, like it's going to be hard to get them to take it. And actually a great example of this, uh, I don't work with them right now. So I feel like I can totally say this. Athletic Greens is one of those products that like everyone knows about, I feel like. Um, It's like greens powder, basically. And there are so many benefits of it, but it just tastes horrible to me. <laughs> and I like have to force myself to drink it. Whereas like two before is just like, it's like, oh, this, I could actually like just drink this if it tasted good, if there were, were no benefits, right? So what are your thoughts on the taste of it? Yeah, I really enjoy the taste of two before. And I think our palates are all unique as well. So someone, someone might think athletic greens tastes amazing, uh, even though you don't like think it tastes amazing. So definitely individualized when it comes to our palates too, but um, I would describe it as like a tart, tangy, sweet, all-in-one kind of flavor for black currants. It mixes really well with smoothies. Um, it tastes great with just plain water, but if you need a little touch of sweetness, mixing it with a little bit of apple juice is also quite nice. I should know this by now, but I'm sure you know this since you work with them. What does the name Two Before mean and how'd they come up with it? The name two before came from having two benefits um, and you want to take it before you train. So really focusing on that endurance benefit and then the muscle recovery um, and everything that is entailed in that. So the inflammation management, um, tissue repair, training adaptations. So you're getting two benefits and then you take it before you train. So two before is currently used in the NFL NBA that NCAA, I believe, um, Team USA has used it and something that I'm sure many of my listeners are familiar with. A uh, big running professional team in the U.S., 10 Minute Elite, they also used to before. What's it like from your perspective being a part of the company to see all these high-level teams use your product and really, really enjoy it? Like NFL and NBA teams, like if they're using it, like they pass the test. Like basically from a consumer perspective, it's like if they're using it, like they, they vet all their products they use. Like it's got to be legit. Yeah, it's really exciting to see it grow. I really think they're just, it's a slow, steady work towards increasing the awareness and the education around what black currants are. Because like I said, in the US, we don't grow up seeing them in the stores like they do here in New Zealand. It's not a familiar thing um, like other fruits and veggies that we see in the store. So it's really exciting to see people try it and enjoy it and then order it for themselves and their teams. And I feel like we're just getting started, honestly. I think there's going to be a lot more 
or I know there's going to be a lot more teams and individuals taking two before soon. We're just, we're just slowly chugging along. As we wrap up today's conversation, what is like a final message you want to leave with our audience today in relation to nutrition, whether it's like starting tomorrow, doing something new, or um, maybe a, a limiting mindset they have surrounding it that's holding them back? Like what's a, a final message you want to leave with our audience today about nutrition? Enjoy everything in moderation and don't restrict yourself if you don't have to. So no foods should be off limits. Um, granted, if you have a severe allergy or severe intolerance, probably won't be the best idea to <laughs> eat those foods. But if you don't, everything in moderation. And then Jen, a question, a personal question for you. Like, what do you want to do? Like, a question I ask a lot of track athletes on here is like, um, what do you want to accomplish before you hang up the track spikes? So for you, I don't know what nutritionists wear or like, I don't know the equivalent of track spikes for a nutritionist, but like, um, or a diet, you know, registered dietitian. Um, I'm an, I could be a nutritionist, so registered dietitian, I don't know what the equivalent is, but, um, what are some things you want to accomplish or do, uh, before you, uh, I guess retire would be the, the correct word. I'm like, I feel like I'm just getting started in my career <laughs> to think about, to think about retirement is not something that, um, has come to mind recently. I think just continuing to share my perspective um, towards life and nutrition careers and nutrition. I think a lot of people are afraid of veering from your classic collegiate setting or professional setting. Um, there's very much so like a path you can follow. And I think when I kind of jumped ship to the supplement side, felt a little bit odd at first because I was like, well, my friends are in the sports setting and now I'm <laughs> like kind of in it, but like on the other side of it. So um, I guess just continuing to encourage people to um, take risks, challenge themselves and not be afraid to get out of their comfort zone. Normally I'd wait to ask the guests this until after, uh, but Jen, we're having a good time. We're having a fun conversation with each other and the, the listeners always love like hearing the, the subjects that people discuss before or after because they just want to hear everything. Yeah. Is this your first podcast you've ever done? Yes, I would say so. Yeah, okay. yeah. The reason I ask is because I'm like unbelievably impressed with your responses, like your clarity. Um, so we got to do more of these because I'm like, I'm like, I think this is your first podcast, but like you never guess it. So <laughs> you're crushing it. You're yeah, crushing no, this, I'm pretty sure this is my first podcast. Hopefully I haven't forgotten anyone. <laughs> awesome. Well, one final question for you. The question I ask every single guest on the show, if you had Gordon Ramsay coming over for dinner, what would you choose to make for him? Honestly, I really like a good homemade pizza. I'll be completely honest, like making the dough from scratch, making the sauce from scratch. Um, and then whatever toppings Gordon wants. <laughs> I love it. Well, Jen, it's been an absolute pleasure having this conversation and, and learning from you and all your wisdom. Really appreciate you taking the time to do this and best of luck with everything upcoming. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me, Dominic. It was really fun chatting. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of The Running Effect with Dominic Schleter. I don't take your time for granted, and I hope that today's episode impacted you and left you walking away inspired and all the more motivated to chase after your biggest goals and walking away a better version of yourself. Make sure you're following the podcast, have given us a five-star review, and consider sharing with a friend. 
through that, we can reach new people and hopefully inspire them in the process. Also, make sure you're following us on social media at The Running Effect to stay up to date on all the exciting projects and all the new episodes coming out. Generally, we release two to three episodes per week, so stay tuned for all of those coming your way shortly. I hope you're running and life is going well. Guys, keep chasing mastery, and I will catch you in next episode.